Get ready to explore faith, doubt, and all that's in between. Welcome to Doubting It with Charlotte Pence Bond. Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of Doubting It with Charlotte Pence Bond. That's me. This is a really, really exciting podcast for me to be doing, and I'm excited about it because it's really more of project. I think it's more of a conversation. I'm in graduate school right now and and doing these kinds of projects where I'm talking to people and I'm interviewing people and I'm researching is really what I love to do. And so that's kind of what I'd hope this podcast is. But I hope that it's also kind of the start of a conversation for everybody. And really what we're going to be talking about on the podcast is this idea of doubt and how it's really a part of, in my opinion, any faith journey. And it it shouldn't be something that we stray away from or we veer away from or we're afraid of. I think that doubt is something that most people experience when they're, you know, kind of going through their faith journey um, or they're um, figuring out what they believe. It can be very common, of course, to um, kind of have these questions. And especially, I think, if you're raised in a religious household, in a household where, you know, everybody around you might be very devoutly religious, that can be kind of intimidating because I think when you get out into the real world, it can be a little different. It can look a little different. And so these questions naturally come up and they will come up, I think, for all of us at some point um, who are religious or who are interested in religion, interested in faith. And so I think it's something that it's only going to help to talk about it more. It's only going to enhance um, this dialogue about faith and religion in our culture that I really think needs to be discussed um, even more than it is being right now. So first of all, who am I? Um, I'm Charlotte Pence Bond. A lot of people might know me as the daughter of Vice President Mike Pence and uh, Second Lady Karen Pence, and that is true. Um, I am. I am a middle child, and I absolutely love my family. I'm very close with really every every single member of my family, um, and I miss them all the time, especially right now in COVID, where um, you know we up until recently, we're really doing everything over Zoom like so many people. And so I just feel blessed to not only have my family, but to also um, have this close relationship with them and to be able to discuss uh, matters of faith, um, matters of politics, you know, cultural issues. Uh, We really talk about all the topics of the day in my family, and we all have varying opinions, and I think that's a really good thing. And I'm also married. Um, I recently got married this past December, and so that has been great and fun as well. My husband is in the Navy, and so um, that has been uh, just really an adventure so far, and I'm super happy to be with him, of course. I am also a graduate student. So right now, I'm in my second and final year, really my last semester, actually, of getting my master's of theological studies at Harvard Divinity School. I decided to go back to grad school to pursue theology and the study of religion, um, really because it was something I was always so interested in. And in undergrad, I couldn't fit it into my schedule. And I was always wanting to learn more about faith, not just Christianity, but other faiths too. And so um, it was something that I kind of looked into and ended up at Harvard, which has been an awesome experience for me really so far. But while I was there, 
I kind of started noticing things. I noticed this shift, at least in millennials and people my age, in the younger generation, kind of this, um, I guess, different view of religion and faith. You know, a lot of people are say that they're into spirituality over maybe an organized religion. And I wanted to really dig into that and figure out why. And I honestly don't think I did. Um, and I don't know if we ever really will. There's so many things that go into why a generation is different from another one. But what I've what I've noticed, at least a little bit of my theory about why millennials tend to be less religious, quote unquote, than other generations, I think is maybe partially to do with this doubt idea. We aren't talking about the questions that we have. And for me growing up, it was very important for me to be able to have that ability to question my faith. And I absolutely had the ability to do that. My parents were always open to talking to me about that and about faith and about religion and Christianity and also about the questions that I had. Um, not only with how the Bible, you know, happened, but also questions that I had about how this fits into our culture. How are we supposed to live this out on a day-to-day basis? How are we supposed to be love, be the love that Christ was and is? That's really where my faith journey kind of started a little bit. So my personal testimony, I've written about a little bit, um, and talked about, I I was raised in a Christian household. My parents um, actually both grew up in Catholic households and became, I guess, more like Protestant, uh, non-denominational, just Christians later on in life. Um, my dad became, I guess, an evangelical Christian, you could call it, in college, and then later on met my mom. And my mom also, they started going to more like Protestant churches. And I, so I was raised in that household where my parents really taught me that personal relationship with Jesus Christ was essential. It was, you know, vital really to, to life. And that's definitely where I've landed as an adult now, but I didn't get there, you know, in just a straight line. It definitely took me, it took a roundabout way to get to that point. And so I guess my my faith journey really, I always had a, a strong faith. I think I always had a, a relationship with Jesus. I remember, you know, praying a lot as a little kid and talking to Jesus and, you know, just feeling very close and like he was my best friend. And even really that carried me into high school and then early college, um, where the reality though was that I, I wasn't really living for Christ. I wasn't really living in a way that I should have been as someone who was a Christ follower. And really, I think that that what I've kind of looked back on that time is that I think I, I thought, you know, okay, I'm a Christian, but I don't have to follow all the rules, right? Like, I don't have to do all of these things that they tell you to do in youth group or small group or crew or inner varsity. Like, I went to those things and I, I did not act like a Christ follower, on the off days, um, I guess on the days when I wasn't, uh, you know, surrounded by people who were, and I really was kind of living a little bit of a double life. I was kind of trying to get away with hanging out with people that I, I shouldn't have been hanging out with, doing things I shouldn't have been doing, and thinking, oh, but I can still, 
I can still believe this. I just don't have to follow these rules. You know, it's kind of antiquated. You know, the Bible was written a long time ago. That was that was really kind of my thought process. And I think that really looking back, it, it wasn't that anything was missing in, um, you know, in in religion or Christianity for me. It was something was missing in me in my heart. I I wasn't fully there. I just wasn't. And I think it's kind of funny looking back. I almost didn't want it to be true. I didn't want Christianity to be the truth because that would mean a lot, right? That would mean that I would need to change what I was doing, probably not hang out with a lot of the people I was hanging out with. That was going to mean a drastic shift in my life. It was going to mean that I was going to have to, you know, answer to this God and I was going to have to probably lose relationships which I did in order to follow him and to really follow after him wholeheartedly. So my testimony in a shorter version really happened. My conversion, I guess, happened when I went to England. I studied abroad um, for a year in England, my junior year of college. And the whole year I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this Christianity thing. Like I'm not going to go to church. I went inside a church one time <laughs> that entire year. I remember I just went in. I like sat there because I just needed it. But I had friends inviting me to church and I was like, no, I don't want to go. You know, people who, you know, are not Christians, friends of mine that were not Christians, you know, they seem to be totally fine. And I was just thinking, you know, I'm, I can be fine. I can be fine. I don't, I don't need this. And i I got more interested in atheism. I started reading atheist um, writings and literature. I was close with, um, you know, professors who were agnostic or atheist. um, And I just started like kind of trying it out. Like I didn't fully turn away from my faith, but I, I wanted, I wanted like to see if I really needed it. And looking back on that year, I looked back over this journal I had kept and I noticed in the journal all of the times that that things of significance had happened and I'd, I'd felt the need to write them down. A lot of times it had been when I'd come across a Bible verse or when something had happened that clearly involved God, that clearly involved like a, another encounter with religion in some way. And what I really realized was during that entire year, I was running away from God very actively. And the entire year he was running after me. He really was. And it was just this, it just hit me at the end of the year. I was flying on this plane. It was one of my last trips and I was coming home after the year was over. And I started crying on this plane and I like, do not like crying (laughs) at all. I'm like, I say I'm not a crier, but that's not entirely true. I just don't like it. I, I, I do not like it. And so I'm on this plane and I just started crying. And I was listening to a song actually. And it was a, it was a religious song. It was a Christian song. And I do not remember what song it was. And it's just, it's going to drive me insane. And I think in, in heaven, I'll, I'll find out what song it was. I thought I found it one time, but maybe, maybe not. Um, and I just started crying and I just felt this like overwhelming presence around me. And I really, can't, I really can't describe it as anything other than that. And I felt like God was accepting me back. It was almost this literal feeling of falling into somebody's arms. 
who's forgiving you and who's saying, I still want you. I still want you back. Even though you ran away from me, I still want you. And that was really when I completely gave my life to Christ. I came back from being abroad and I was reading my Bible as if I was reading it for the first time that summer. I remember talking to my parents and being like, oh my gosh, did you guys, have you, have you read this story about, you know, Mary and Martha or whatever? And they're like, yeah, Charlotte, we have, we, you know, we taught you that story many times, (laughs) but it was really like, I was reading it for the first time. And I even went to friends. Um, one of my best friends is strong Christian and she knew me throughout this whole process. And a couple of my friends did, and, and they were, you know, watching me live this double life, loving me through it. And then seeing me on the other side of it, this born again Christian. And I really felt like after that experience, when I went abroad, after that experience on the plane, I couldn't deny it anymore. I couldn't pretend like it wasn't real. And I knew I never really could live in the way I was living before anymore. I had to change things. And I did. And I... I, you know, lost friends and moved on from relationships and kind of figured out who I was in Christ and who who I wanted to be with him at the center. And it's interesting because I feel like looking back on that time, I think a part of me kind of didn't want Christianity to be totally true, right? It, it would be easier if it weren't, it would have been so much easier for me. Um, and I, I think it, it reminds me of the C.S. Lewis quote in his book, Surprised by Joy. He talks about his conversion. I actually just recently, I listened to the book on Audible, but I like didn't, I never listened or read this book before. And I, I don't, I just missed it. C.S. Lewis is a huge inspiration to me and I've read most of his books but I this quote just totally sums up who I was and how I was feeling at the time and I'm going to quote it in full because it's a great quote he says quote people who are naturally religious find difficulty in understanding the horror of such a revelation this revelation being that God's real amiable agnostics will talk cheerfully about man's search for God To me, as I then was, they might as well have talked about the mouse's search for the cat. And I absolutely love that quote because this is C.S. Lewis saying, you know, people will talk about man's search for God in a very philosophical, detached way. But when he experienced it, it, it wasn't like he was necessarily looking for it. He wasn't looking for God. He almost didn't want to find God, but he did. And God found him and he couldn't turn away from this reality. And so during that time abroad, I realized looking back, that was really a time in my life when I was given the liberty and the freedom and the space to have doubts, to have questions, to wonder, A, if this is something that I really, you know, believe and to what extent. Because I realized I think during that time, the biggest, probably the biggest realization I had was that Christianity was real and that I couldn't be, I couldn't be halfway in. 
I couldn't have one foot out the door all the time. Like, oh, you know, it's I, it's real. I believe it, but maybe not. Maybe I'll just I'll believe half of it. You know, I'll believe this stuff, but not this stuff. And I'll believe in Jesus, but I won't really believe that, you know, the stuff that he told us to do is as really necessary. That's really a time when I had to figure out like, how how much of this do I believe? And what I realized was that I had to, personally, I had to believe all of it. I had to be fully all in because when times of trial come up in our lives, as they do, as we all know they do, I needed that pinnacle. I needed that cornerstone to be true. And, and so that's my, a little bit of my story. And I think, you know, we can go to scripture. Um, this is specifically talking about Christianity right now because I'm a Christian and this is my faith journey. But I think that asking questions about religion is a form of doubting and it's okay to do. And frankly, that's in the Bible. That's in, it's in Matthew. Matthew 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I love that verse because it talks about how it's okay to ask. And we wouldn't be asking a question wouldn't be knocking and seeking if we weren't, if we didn't have doubts, right? I mean, I think that's, I think that's for me, that's implied in that statement because it's okay to doubt. It's okay to say that you don't know everything. And I think in our culture, that's something that's really, it's almost not okay. It's almost not okay to say, I'm not sure. And and there is this, this disconnect sometimes, I think, especially with millennials, especially because we have social media and we're growing up around it and Gen Zers are literally growing up fully with technology, fully with social media. And I think it's interesting because we put on these personas that are are telling us, you know, are, are telling the world rather that we're, we're this particular way. And it's a, it's an element of showing perfection that I think can be really psychologically damaging, not only to others who are buying into it and seeing our lives and saying, oh, they're, they have a perfect life and I don't have a perfect life. But it's also psychologically damaging to us because we're believing the lie. We might be putting out a Bible verse on our Instagram story when two seconds earlier, you know, something broke in our house again and we had to fix it or, you know, the, you know, maintenance person isn't going to be able to get here today. And we're doubting that God is in control. We're doubting that he has us. And I think that that's really one of the most kind of interesting things for me. And I'm talking totally personally here because it's something that I struggle with is trusting God. And trusting God doesn't mean that we never have doubts, (laughs) but we have to be honest about our doubts. God wants us to come to him with questions, with, if we're frustrated with him, he wants to hear it. We see that all throughout the Psalms and, and in the past couple months, I've really been reading the Psalms because every day, like really I'll read a Psalm because it just helps because not only David, but other Psalmists will literally be like, 
what is happening, God? Why are you doing this? And that's it. Like sometimes the psalm will literally just be them telling God that they're annoyed (laughs) with him or that they're questioning him or they're confused as to why he's doing something specific. And so I think that that's, um, that's just an interesting thing to kind of remember that it's okay to have questions. Actually questioning and doubting is a way of I think becoming closer with God, having a more intimate relationship with him. And he wants that from us. He wants us to be honest about how we're doing and not to put on this persona as so many of us now do, that everything is totally fine and that we just have no issues ever because we're praying or we're reading the Bible. And now that's not to say that putting up an Instagram post with a Bible verse is bad. It's not. I do it all the time. But just make sure that you're being honest too with yourself and you're being honest with God. You're you're being connected to Him. You're listening to the Edify Podcast Network. We'll be right back. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. This is the Edify Podcast Network. Welcome back. There's this really interesting study I came across when I was starting to do some research for this podcast, and it's from the Barna Group, um, which is a research and resource company, um, and they have a lot of stuff for uh, like faith resources, and which is just very interesting. But they did a study in 2017 specifically about doubt, specifically about people who have doubted their faith. And for those who identify as Christian, they found that 65% have questioned what they believe or question it. 65% of Christians have questioned what they believe. And then in millennials, they found that they were much more likely than other generations to, to have doubt. They 38% of them experienced doubt. They're more likely than other generations to stop doing all of these things that are a response to doubt. So this to stop going to church, to leave worship gatherings, to stop reading the Bible and praying and stop talking to friends and family about spirituality and God and religion. So they're much more likely to not only experience doubt, but to also isolate themselves, to pull away from from their own personal prayer time, from reading the Bible, from their devotions, but also from a church community. And that's really an interesting thing. That's the biggest response to doubt that people have. 45% of people who have doubt leave church or worship gatherings. So they stop going to church, which, I mean, totally makes sense. Um, I totally get that. And again, like I did in England when I was abroad, I fully did that. I did not go to church. I went inside a church one time in the whole year. And that was something that I did, but it gave me space to have those questions into doubt, but it didn't, I didn't have that community where I could raise those questions. And I think that that is, these things are all related. I think that we have 
doubt sometimes. And sometimes we might not feel totally, um, you know, validated or, or encouraged to doubt. We don't feel accepted if we doubt, um, especially in church groups, church settings. I, I love church groups. I love church settings. I love the church community, but I don't know. I think that, that sometimes if you are experiencing doubt and there isn't a lot of discussion about it, I think sometimes you might wonder, like I did, if you're the only person that has these questions. And I believe we kind of live in a culture right now where it looks like you have to be either totally devout or you have to be an atheist. We see this rise in people who have this sense of spirituality, but they don't want to assign themselves specifically to a religion because maybe they have some doubts about that religion but they might not have anywhere to go to talk about those doubts and to be honest about their feelings. And so they come back into this little, this middle area of having spirituality, but maybe not having the place for a conversation about doubt. And so that's what I'm hoping, frankly, this podcast is going to be. I think that doubt is a good thing. And the same study showed that 53% of people that had doubt said that it made their faith stronger. In more devout groups, 95% of evangelicals say that their doubt improved their faith. And even in people who are quote-unquote unchurched, so not as devout, 34% said that their faith was reinforced after doubting. And then only 20% lost their faith entirely. And I know I'm just shouting out numbers right now, but the majority of people who had doubt said that they actually, it made their faith stronger in the long run. And I absolutely experienced that as well. And so I think that that's just something I really wanted to create is this, this place where we can talk about our doubt. We can be honest about it and we won't be shamed for having questions because it's okay to ask questions. You know, we see that in the Bible. Very famous story about doubt is doubting Thomas. And Thomas was a disciple of Jesus. And after Jesus died, he was like, you know what? I don't believe that he's resurrected from the dead. All of his friends came back. His disciples, the disciples are telling him, Thomas, you're not going to believe this. Jesus is alive. He was raised from the dead. What he said was true. Like he came back to life. And Thomas literally says, unless I see his hands where they pierced him as they hung him on the cross, I'm not going to believe that. He said, no way. I got to see it to believe it. I'm not just going to believe something that you're telling me. And Jesus showed him. He didn't get mad. He didn't get angry with him. He didn't get frustrated. That's why I love this story because he says, okay, here. Here are my hands. Also, here's my side. (laughs) Here's my side where they stabbed me. And if you need to see it to believe it, I'll show you. But Jesus adds, you know, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And so when we talk about doubt, doubt, there's always this element of faith as well. Because faith, I think faith and doubt are intermixed. I think that sometimes you go through seasons of doubt maybe, and it's going to make your faith stronger on the other side. But you have to talk about it. Because if you bury it down like I did for so many years, you don't discuss it and you're afraid like I was. I was afraid to talk about it. I didn't 
I, I didn't know if I was for sure, if I really believed it. But I wanted to. I wanted to be like all those Christian friends who just, it came so easy to them. But then I had other friends who weren't religious at all and they were totally fine. And so I, I, I didn't know where to go to have those questions until I really had the space to just completely, completely ask. Uh, but there's another story in the Bible that I want to close with because I found it when I was coming across, I was reading my Bible one day and I was, I was starting to do some research for this podcast. And really what, why I came up with this idea of doubt was because I started really trying to think like, what is the reason that, that so many people in my generation are not religious or don't talk about it? And I think, I think they're related, as I've said. I think that when we don't have an area for conversation, we're not going to be able to grow. And this story is in Matthew 21. It's called the parable of the two sons. And it's a parable about these two sons. And basically, I'll just, I'll quote it in full. It starts in verse 28. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered, but later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. And this parable really stood out to me because I honestly, I don't think I'd ever seen it before. Um, or I had, but I just hadn't remembered. Jesus is asking these people, he's asking them, who did the will of the father in the story? Is it the son that says, yes, I'll do it, and then doesn't do it? Or is it the son that says, no, I'm not going to, and then does? Obviously, it's the second person, right? It's the person who still does it even though he said, I'm not going to. And how I interpreted the story was that it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to not be sure. But it's, it's more honest when we say what we're feeling, right? And, not, and we don't just go along and have the perception or persona that everything's totally fine and we're going to do the will of the Father, but then we don't do it. Jesus is saying, actually, it's better to say you're not <laughs> going to do it and then do it. And so I guess my closing thought is that there is space for you to change your mind. Um, there's, there's a place for this conversation about questions, but also about faith and how those two go together. And I, so I think it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting conversations, um, in this podcast. I, I'm excited to talk to people of different faiths and different religions and different practices. I, I think that we all, you know, can experience doubt and just have questions that, Sometimes and sometimes it's hard to have that conversation and that's really what I want this podcast to be I want it to be the start of a conversation because I think it's important to talk about doubt and I think that um, a lot of times 
it can be a little bit scary and it can be a little bit a little bit anxiety inducing maybe to ask questions. Um, I know I know it's easy to feel that way, but I think that it's important. And so um, I'm really just thrilled to have so many faith leaders and thought leaders as guests on the podcast who are going to share their story and also share really just the complicated parts of walking in faith, of coming to faith, and how we, we don't have to be ashamed to ask questions and how they have so many different perspectives and different stories. And it's just really, really going to be exciting. So I hope that this is um, a place where we can have that that discussion about faith and doubt and how when we doubt and when we ask God questions, I do believe that it, it gives us a space to actually deepen our faith through those times that we do have questions. So thank you for joining me on the first episode of the Doubting It podcast, and I hope you will join uh, me for many more. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Doubting It with Charlotte Pence Bond on the Edify Podcast Network. Tune in next time for another powerful exploration of faith, doubt, and all that's in between. And for more faith-inspiring podcasts, Download the Edify podcast app on the Apple and Google Play stores or at edify.app.